Welcome to the Shutdown Forecast. Oh, oh my. Do, do we have things to discuss football-wise? Because uh, I want to start off with Jason Kirk. We, we delegated this to him. Uh, something happened this weekend that, uh, that really hasn't happened in quite a while, which was a complete, utter, shambling disaster of amazing proportions with no actual impact on like a national title picture, but still like pretty much what I watch college football for. Yeah. A bad thing happened to Duke. A, a real, a real bad thing. happened. A, uh, an ACC officiating thing happened. Part, part of it. That was part of it. Um, and these things tend to go in Duke's favor, uh, across all sports. Uh, but this time in this particular sport didn't go in Duke's favor. Um, and we shouldn't overlook that the the officiating thing, which the ACC has come out and admitted was was wrong, um, was only a part of the play, which was Miami lateraling eight times with the clock off to run a kick back uh, 97 yards, but probably more like a total of more like 200, to knock off the Blue Devils, which was... Uh, I mean, we've seen like three all-time amazing endings this year, and I, I guess you'd put Michigan State, Michigan over it just because of like the the magnitude of the game. But but in sheer amazingness, like this 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 tops the other two. No, and if you have to know what's really absolutely fantastic about this, it's kind of a litmus test for I think what kind of a fan you are, because this happened, and pretty soon. Everybody watching divides into one of several camps. One camp is my camp, which is the complete absurdist nihilist camp, which acknowledges that, yeah, you, there was probably a guy with the knee down. And, yeah, uh, there were probably like four different rules, which, by the way, that was exactly the number, apparently, according to the ACC officials. Four different rules blown on one play to completely screw another team and who didn't care. Because it's a human game played by human people and officiated by humans, who even with replay uh, can make massive mistakes. That that was my camp, which is okay. This is a game. You can try to build in some kind of well. You should be able to overturn that rule. We don't do that. This is this is a game that's filled with flaws played by humans, scored by humans. You build in everything you can, and then the rest, the rest is a matter of circumstance and history. Yeah, and and the and the you know uh, this game should be overturned. David Cutcliffe is out there today saying there should be a, a way to change a game after it's already ended. Oh, David. which is I mean we 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 all like Coach Cut here, but this is some real Duke shit, Coach Coach. That's that, that, that's that's some Duke shit if I've ever heard it. Yeah, there should be a legality. We should have a lawyer <laughs> who should we should pay to advocate on our behalf. To overturn this. There was also the camp of people who were very much the kickoff truthers who looked at every single interaction on the play as being illegal, as opposed to like, yeah, that guy's knees down. <laughs> Which is yeah, knees, there's only one problem here. Like, you don't have to go and say, oh, this dude without a helmet is like a yard off the sideline after like, you know, the guy's basically already scored. Fine, whatever. It's a Miami game. If, if that's the worst thing happening, great. But, like, there was a player down. Just focus on that. <laughs> There's maybe a block. Maybe they should have not take, picked up the flag on this other block. Eh. There was a guy down. <laughs> and, like, he got away with it. You know, it's college football. 
Suck it up. There is a third special camp here that we should discuss because, and that camp is mostly made up of Miami fans. Oh yeah. Um, it is. You know, if you're a Miami fan, I think the best way to react to the win and the subsequent ACC uh, decision as to the floundering job the referees did in this game is best embodied by the Miami Hurricanes official Twitter account, which is shrug emoji. But <laughs> but some Miami I think, fans... <laughs> I mean, I think it's just, if you could just like embody the D-Generation X crotch chop, yeah. that's how every Miami fan should be acting for the next, for the, the entirety of this week. Right. Some Miami fans, though, man, they really want to talk about the 2003 Fiesta Bowl. They really, really want to talk about, hey, man, oh, you-, you want to go back and change the past? You want to go unkill my grandpa? We can do that? We can. <laughs> it's back, back to the Future Week. It just happened late. Look at that. Ohio yeah. State, your championship's fading away in this picture. Which I do like the awkward. I enjoyed Ohio State fans in that little micro conversation backing out slowly because they know. (laughs) They're like, hmm, what a fascinating idea. I think I'll defer on this conversation. Uh, It's like like one where Ohio State fans sort of charge in and then wait, 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 wait. We don't really belong. (laughs) You you know what the most Jim Trestle thing to do would be? To punt on this conversation. Punt. (laughs) Punt to win. It's it's applicable to life. I'll just punt and run the ball out of this conversation. And then the slowly. and then the fourth category of people people who want to use this as an excuse to talk. Also, also a good deal of Miami fans. People want to be like, well, hey, on that last drive, Duke was getting all the calls, which is which is interesting because it takes it takes the normal sort of uh, wiggle room in officiating and says. Because refereeing is imperfect, all imperfections should be fine. And that's kind of a crazy way to look at the world, but it's also kind of beautiful. I think that that is the camp I am in. Because if Miami, the the program of finger guns in the uh, the tunnel, you know, the program that the the NCAA literally made rules, you know, that were that were labeled the Miami rules. They had a school record number of penalties yeah. yesterday, Saturday, 23. So if you're trying to tell me that the refs, you know, uh, if they blew this in favor of Miami, well, okay. I mean, it, if, if, if not for that, it, it wouldn't even come down to that play. So, I mean, to me, it's, yeah, the refs fucked up in every direction. There's if we're going to worry about one knee over everything else, okay. It's there's good. a there's enough. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, that argument, I like that argument because it's just to me like that you go to the homeowners association and be like, hey, Pete down the street, you know, his his hedges are taller than the minimum allowed. So it's okay if I have a wild panther on my property. <laughs> because obviously we're not following HOA guidelines anymore. I'm sorry. This cat's out of the bag. Literally, Literally. he's out of the bag. And that is also a very Miami way to approach things. Just get a wild animal that you're not allowed to have on your property. My other thing is this. When this happened, I remember it happening. And people people really have a very poor sense of empathy for the people involved in the situation. Now, this is particularly true of officials because I think, you know, in sports in general, we have zero empathy for officials at all because – 
They're the people who make things unfun. They're the ones who keep you from cheating. They're and the ones she- who tell you to stop climbing on the furniture. No, stop. You can't eat the candy after mm. 6 p.m. Yeah, they're they're the adults in the room. And they're never fun. Like, I think I can think of, like, if you think of, like, beloved officials, there's, like, one soccer official who's beloved. Ed, that's Ho- it. Ed Hockley is semi-beloved, but that's only because he's an old man who refuses to wear a shirt that fits his huge biceps. Exactly. Like, we know Ed Hockley, but most of the time, if you know an official's name, it's not really good. For instance, Alan Eck. We, we know Alan Eck's name. And Alan Eck's crew, who worked the Big 12, committed shameful officiating again in the Texas Tech-Oklahoma State game, uh, particularly regarding a targeting call, which, like, by the, like, by the book was totally right. Like, like there was a, it was a face-to-face tackle, but it was more incidental. Like, it was one of those, yeah, you jaywalked. There's no reason you should make somebody, you know, like, pay 250 bucks for a jaywalking ticket if they're a second early into the lane. Hey, right? you got to make that quota. Got to make that quota. Apparently, the Big 12 is paying Alan Eck by the penalty. But if you know a guy's name, it's not good, right? So, okay, so the point being, this game happens. And if you were watching it live, I remember thinking, like watching it going, oh, yeah, I'd want nothing to do with that. <laughs> like, it's not like on most plays, you're pretty much – you're divided up into a crew and you're looking at you know several interactions at once. On a kickoff, it's literally a man running through traffic, right? Well, well uh, Alan Kenny raised this on Twitter earlier today. Why would anyone want to be a referee ever? Why? <laughs> it's not a full-time job. It's not a full-time that's, job. I think that's a, kind of a misconception. This does not – they don't go to a ref school like, you know, every other day. All these guys just go back to normal jobs. It's impossible like, to – it's impossible to do this job perfectly, right? Like no ref has – no referee crew has gone out there and been like, yep – we made every call that we were supposed to. There was, there's always room for somebody to say, "Oh, you missed a hold there. Oh, that was offensive pass interference. Oh, you know that was oh, he was he was past line of scrimmage. Like whatever. There's always something that somebody you can't get a hundred on this test, and you don't have to take this test. Why are you taking this test? Because I, I I was looking at that like this unfolding. They said, "Okay, well now it's up in the replay booth." And I thought out loud watching it. I was like leave <laughs> just walk the hell uh, out upon you further don't... review jimmy's gonna come down here in about five <laughs> minutes he's gonna tell you what happened everybody have a great night that might have been what happened because the first time the head ref came out he said upon further review hold up hold up and they had and to go back in for some still, more still <laughs> hold up hold up I'm, I'm buzzing <laughs> my phone's blow, blowing up yeah brb I, yeah yeah brb <laughs> just tack that tack brb poorly written onto a piece of paper that I put up on the window, right? Like, and just walk. Bye. Bye. Just set the whole place on fire. You don't pay me enough to unravel this crap. And what those two teams did (laughs) in the course of the toss drill at the end of the game, yeah, that's almost ungovernable. You're like, yeah. I think we should, though, give everybody, like, the NCAA should have an amnesty day. And every school gets, a, gets to submit a secret ballot, and you can change. You can have one game in your history that if you can identify and say, this call lost the game for us, you get that win. But you have to, you have to go dig them up, and we just see what happens. So, so every school gets to pick one? Every school gets to pick one, and they can count, like, because you don't know, because you know... Like, you can also use it to block. That's what I like about this scenario that I just literally came up with. 
So if Ohio State wants to say, well, we win the 2000, you know, uh, Miami wants to say, we win the 2003 Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State can use the block if they want, or they can use it for another game in their history if they want. Well, they would ha- if they were to block, they'd have to spend it on like, oh yeah, well, they missed this, this hold in the first quarter, right. which exactly. butterfly effect. Exactly. The whole game is invalid. Replay the 2003 Fiesta Bowl, get all the players, <laughs> bring them back for one game only. Yeah, which is all. Which Ed goes, Reed got to suit back up. <laughs> he would. <laughs> God damn it. Absolutely would. Everyone's fucked. Here comes Ed Reed. <laughs> Just Ed Reed and Steve Smith playing the world's meanest game of backyard old man football. Yeah, we're doing touch, right? No, uh, no, no, no. Hell no. No, no. <laughs> Never that. Ed's going to make you feel this. <laughs> I'm sorry, Willis, but we do have to keep this game accurate. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn. God. He was an all pro. It's okay. <laughs> He 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 healed. He did. After his leg, after his leg went <laughs> back, and said he healed like he's, he's done this before. He <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, listen, there's only one person here who can do this, has experience, and yeah. that's Willis McGahey, who's basically Wolverine. He's 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 kind of like slow acting Wolverine, twelve hour Wolverine. Frank Gore doesn't get enough credit for that, by the way. Frank Gore has torn every ligament in his like legs. All of them. And, and he's still playing. He's playing for the Colts, so who's he's, to say how smart that is? But he's, Yes, but he's still playing. And he was good. Like at Miami, it was like, yeah, he tore his ACL again. I'm like, Frank Gore has like eight ACLs. Mm-hmm. He's torn all of them. I mean, when your name's Gore, what is bodily damage really going to do to you? It's true. I, I, I would make the case that he just got that all out of the way early. So that when he got to the pros, it was like, yeah, it's just bone on bone. He can actually only be hurt by magic. <laughs> I can hear it. He can only be hurt by magic damage. hear my knee. People don't know that. Yeah, exactly. That's and he's in Indianapolis, so there's no magic there. He's fine. You got to use fire arrows to defeat Frank Gore. Little tip <laughs> from me to you. But yeah, I, like you don't pay me enough to make that call, that decision, like as an ACC ref, because I know, LOL, officials, no big deal. You'll get death threats. Like you'll get people calling your house. Like, like I know people who've officiated games that ended badly on admitted mistakes. And you're going to make a mistake, and guess what they will do? They will call you and say that they are looking at your house through the scope of a hunting rifle. Which, yeah, that's what cowardly rednecks always do. I'm going to come kill you. That's imaginative, Bubba. Thanks. But that's what I guess they, with these particular fan bases, you don't have to worry about hunting rifles, at no, least. No, no. There, there are scopes, though. Yeah, for a Miami Yeah, fan. I mean, like, Miami fans, like, they got, they got silencers and mm-hmm. shit. And, like, it, it's the Duke a, fans, they, they, they have an underling who, who has, like a, a, like, a fox hunting gun or something. No, you'll just get audited. That's it. <laughs> Piss off, dude. That's worse. I think that's probably worse. Yeah, I mean, it's a push. I mean, a Miami fan's like, yo, I got a laser sight on my machete. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the utility in that? I don't know, bro. You want to find out? <laughs> deadly accuracy. Deadly, deadly utility. Accuracy. It looks dope as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real utility. What you don't recognize that? Doubt machete. <laughs> if you don't recognize that, probably means you're gay. Just say got a machete with an air horn on it. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Khaled absolutely has three of those. How accurate? <laughs> DJ Khaled said the word accurate. That's <laughs> true. You can you can look up the vine. That's amazing. The other thing that uh, that that astonished me this weekend in terms of officiating, like just to show you that like 
officiating is just part of the flow of the game, and you're going to have to deal with it. And I think this is one thing that like soccer fans deal with a lot better than football fans because football fans, American football, like George Carlin was right, it's famously legalistic, right? Like, hold up, hold up. The coach has made a motion to review the previous motion, right? We will now retire to Chambers. Yeah, we'll now retire to Chambers. <laughs> Very we'll, small Chambers. We'll go to the appeals court, right? And by the way, the call, the call for like a central officiating office is my favorite thing in this. When people like, like Clay Travis suggested this. Clay Travis is not entirely full of bad ideas, okay? I said that. Sure, he has uh, some bones and some stomach acid and probably some human hair. Some yeah, non-human yeah. hair. You never know. But um, anyway, the idea of a central replay office for any of these things is side-splitting to me. Because do you want to see the Sunbelt try to run one of those? I love you, Sunbelt. But in the far-flung corners of the world where you play football, do you want to like rely on that like high-grade wireless router? <laughs> so <laughs> Calling Time Warner the Cable proposal furiously? Is- yeah, we're, we're talking about having like a, a switchboard in like Kansas or something with like the like a, a wall of screens and hey, there's Ma- so- no, hey Maybelline, you put me through to Central for <laughs> put me through to the the, the it, like 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 so it's Phil Steele. They're these? just yeah. calling Phil Steele's house and the- and he just points at the one TV and has one of his nineteen interns figure it out. The play is under further review until we unplug and plug back in the router. I think in order to really make this fully interactive, one conference has to have the, like, phone-a-fan mm. where they determine what happened on the play. Yeah. But they put your name and personal contact information on the screen, just like the ref. <laughs> like, yeah, that's Maction. Yeah, solving <laughs> this is Ryan Nanny of <laughs> Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> just hang up. Just hang up. Don't answer the phone. You get some lunatic hustle belt fan showing up at your door. It, yeah, I the other like, the other reason you can't you can't have these is because college football fans will try to hack that center. In certain conferences, yeah. Yeah. That's going to happen. Like like the big I think actually it wouldn't be the SEC first cuz I don't think we're smart enough to do it right <clears throat> right quick. I think it's probably like it's probably like Pac-12. Skynet has determined that you were out of bounds. Yeah, like you're like, man, Stanford's getting all these appeals. Skynet that probably has, would explain a lot. Skynet has determined the best thing for the Pac-12 is to no longer have Arizona football. Skynet like, has launched the nukes. Maybe Pac-12 refs have been robots all along, and it's just an experiment that's not really getting much better. <laughs> yeah, this 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 glasses ref models clearly like a C minus. <laughs> But so lifelike. Yeah, barely. Barely well. lifelike. Previously on Terminator Pac-12. Per- Previous! <laughs> Damn it. This explains so much. <laughs> the other thing, like, officiating-wise, like, there was a great Washington-Stanford game. And Washington State uh, made a play which appeared to be a strip of a Stanford-wide receiver on the way out of bounds uh, to... And what would eventually be a touchdown drive for Stanford in a game that ended, what, 30-28? Yes. Yeah. And would have been like a deciding factor in that. But despite that, like, yeah, all right, maybe Washington State does something with that. But maybe they throw a pick six on the next play. You don't know. Like, the flow of events is undetermined. You don't know. Washington State dealt beautifully with it, by the way. They just drove back and stayed in the game until the very end. But, like, blaming the officials has always seemed like the weakest possible move. Except for maybe Duke, who can just be like, yeah, that was totally incompetent. 
<laughs> we have a loss where we shouldn't have had a loss. I do, I do like that. <clears throat> this is the second example of. I mean, I guess the Michigan game is slightly different because Michigan did lose the game fair and square, just in mind-bogglingly unexpected uh, fashion. I did like that the voters were like, "Yep, got to drop Duke." Got to drop him for that <laughs> loss that the ACC said shouldn't happen. Can't no yeah. no. You know this is this is dog eat dog world. Doesn't matter if the dog had an illegal firearm. Nope, counts. Also receiving votes, Miami. <laughs> I, I didn't look, but probably. probably. I, I, the score, the the numbers, number by their names bigger. Move them up. Move them up. The other uh, thing that happened this weekend, like there were like nine things that happened. This is a pretty slow summer of a weekend up until we got to like maybe 10.30, 10.15 or 10.30 because there was the end of the Michigan-Minnesota game where Minnesota with, I believe, 20 19, seconds. Of, yeah. Yeah, 19 seconds on the clock. Uh, got to run a goal line play like on the one, like on the half. Let's, let's bet. Well, like I feel you're selling this short already. Okay, okay. Correct me then, please. So so Minnesota gets a long play that is initially ruled a touchdown. On uh, on review, it's very clear that the uh, ball carrier's knee was down at the one-yard line before he got into the end zone. No question about that. But they do take the time to review it. Uh, because it's a first down, the clock won't stop until they set the chains. And Minnesota has all kinds of time to figure out what to do at the one-yard line with 19 seconds to go. They also have a timeout left. And then Spencer take it away. What do they do with these 19 seconds and a timeout at the freaking one-yard line? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they have a pretty big two-tight-end formation that they run with at least one shift involving two players and then a person in motion that burns all but like one second off the clock. Is that correct? Yes. It's even more than that. They went from like a bunch tight jumbo (laughs) set. I think they had three backs um, and they went from that to a spread shotgun. Like they moved everyone on the field except for the offensive linemen. (laughs) There's not enough time to do that in uh, like 19 seconds. Like, if the clock stopped, that's a great move because, like, now you've got the defense expecting everything. But the clock was not stopped. So they had time for uh, that. There, there were just, of all, there were so many options available to them. Option one, use your timeout. That's fine. I don't think anybody would have killed Minnesota at that point by saying, like, well, it's the one-yard line. If we stop the clock with 19 seconds, it's really just a matter of if we get in or not. It's not really uh, a, a clock man, a clock uh, conservation thing. Option two, clock the ball. That's also probably fine. You can say, well, you know, if we can't get in in three plays, we probably wouldn't have had time to get in on the fourth anyway, whatever. Uh, and then there was whatever they did. Yeah, which ends up losing the game for them because they do get one more play. Uh, they run a QB sneak. Oh. It, is, it is one of the least effective QB sneaks I have ever seen. Uh, and Leitner gets stood up. Like doesn't like he stands up like he gets to stand up with the ball right a good six inches to a foot shy of the goal line and Minnesota loses the game a game that they had to that point been completely competitive in shockingly through the air Minnesota like this line most- threw for like three hundred thirty yards or something yeah good lord yeah 
And previously, I think he'd thrown for like 30. That sounds right. Total. I'm not, I'm not going to look it up. On the like, year, I believe that's, yeah. that's correct. It was an efficient 30, though. <laughs> yeah, you, you might want to look at that, Michigan. <laughs> you, you might want to take a gander. You might want to get that looked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you, you play one more team that can pass, allegedly. Maybe, depending, because another thing that happened this weekend, while we're just looking at like the vast oh. scope of chaos, oh. Ohio State took a loss despite not playing a game this weekend. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> that happened, yeah. You remember, <sighs> forget about that. JT Barrett. JT Barrett gets an OVI uh, operating a vehicle while intoxicated. Remember, Ohio, the state that's so full of DUI charges, they had to come up with their own name for it. Mm-hmm. OVI. That way, and, uh, that way you can put it on a resume when you apply for a job out of state and people won't blink. OVI, no. huh? Is that some sort of, oh, he might have some sort of disease. Well, we, if we don't hire him, that's, you know, an American Disabilities Act thing, so. Yeah, that and uh, <laughs> that, that and he's suspended for which game, interestingly enough? Speak of the, uh, speak of the gopher. Well, he's, he's suspended for, uh, for two games. He, he missed Ohio State's game Saturday against uh, Bay State, which they did not look all that impressive. Nothing new. Uh, and he's also uh, suspended against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Yep, yep. The Minnesota Go- the pesky Minnesota Golden Gophers. Who I mean, they'll probably be in by thirty anyway with Cardell playing. But still, just, we've said that a lot, haven't we? We have. We we've said that a lot. They they won't struggle against a MAC team. Yeah, they no, there's no way Ohio State will have a problem with this team. Not with Cardale in the house. Yeah, yeah. This is Cardale's coming back. I mean, he's like our favorite player. <laughs> he picked his, he picked he picked JT Barrett up. Like, yeah, he's a great dude. Like, what a phenomenal human being that you know the guy that you might have just replaced as the starter due to a uh, misdemeanor charge calls you and you're like, the least I can do is pick I you up. Got this. I got. You this. want me to buy you a bagel sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> we can stop by Panera. It's, it's not like you have to watch your weight for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. You've been you've been eating, right? Yeah, I'm on that Roethlisberger diet. I brought Twizzlers. Looking great. Other uh other things that uh that happened this weekend that we need to discuss before we go on to more current affairs. Uh there was it Temple's just a like I know they lost, right? To a demonstrably better by depth chart Notre Dame team, Temple's awesome to watch. Like I don't mean necessarily entertaining. They're okay. just ins- yeah, no, they're just inspiring in that they're like super organized. And yeah, they lost. But I was watching them. I was like, you are in. I, I said this on Twitter, but like I didn't want to call them well coached because I think when you call people well coached, it can just come off as being kind of like condescending, right? It's patronizing. You're like, oh, you're so well coached. Like if you say well coached to anybody in any other field of life, it's like. Oh, you don't actually have a soul. You just read a playbook. It's like meeting somebody who's made their own canoe, who's carved their own canoe. You're like, that's impressive. I don't want to do it. (laughs) And I don't think it's very fun. But that's cool that you did. It's like you just called them articulate. Yeah. Well, it's it's like like you said, well, he's very well put together. He cleans up real nice. He cleans up real nice. Yeah, exactly. Like Matt Rule put him together, son. Mm-hmm. Matt Rule, who uh, described on Twitter as being uh, looking like the wacky bartender on a sitcom. He's Ja Rule's brother. Nobody knows that. <laughs> where, where would he be without Rule? 
Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching Temple because they just were like, they were such a well put together, enthusiastic, hard hitting, like they looked painful. They looked like a very painful, very coordinated team. Uh, Matt Rule will probably go, I don't know, probably go coach Miami. Oh boy. Fail. Oh, the Temple pipeline. The Temple pipeline. You know, you know, Penn State fans want to hire him real, real bad. Oh man. (laughs) With that, that, that lunch pail team. Uh huh. (laughs) Well, former former Paterno player has proven he understands what it takes to beat this feisty Penn State team. Just, just he's the he's the answer to the problems. He doesn't even wear a suit. Maybe he plays offensive tackle. I don't know. He he just wears sweatshirts and barely shaves. <clears throat> that does sound pretty Penn State. Yeah, it certainly sounds like Penn State 2015, man. Uh, anything else that we that we missed of note? Well, we got to talk about Frank. Well, we do have to talk about Frank. Bef- before we talk about Frank, though, I, I would like to do one moment. Uh, it's a very personal moment. <sighs> that would, uh, you know where I'm going. Doug, Doug, turn the podcast off now. <laughs> yeah. Doug Gillette, any other <laughs> Bulldog fan, you can just turn the podcast on. Because I'm going to start just saying facts. These are things that happened which were absolutely true. In the 27-3 defeat of the Georgia Bulldogs. All of these things are true. None of them are made up. I do not have to hate. I do not have to <clears throat> talk smack. I do not have to gloat. These are the facts, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Phaeton Bauta, who prior to this had not made a start for the Georgia Bulldogs and was at one point listed as third stringer. How many passes would you call in a start? For a start, how about thirty-three? Well, I mean, I'm sure his calling card is that he's a not very mobile but highly accurate passer, and that's no, why- no, no. He's he's a running actually. Guy. Yeah, huh. actually. <laughs> Let me well actually you here. Huh. Yeah. In fact, both uh, Mark Richt <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> Brian Schottenheimer said after the game that uh, they 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 started him. Because of his running ability. Mm-hmm. And his rushing stats, I'm sure, bolster that uh, statement, wouldn't they? This is what professionals would do. They would do something because it made sense, correct? There would be a strategy, well, if you will. He ran the ball thrice. I'm not sure if that counts like a sack in there or not, which in that case it would be twice. But Georgia ran the ball 22 times, which is less than they managed against even Alabama where they were down by, you know, 14 after like eight seconds. That, that does include one sack. So, yeah. So for four total yards for about a, but you know what? Hey, Georgia, you, you made the sex number. You had 69 yards rushing. Here's, here's another thing. Um, Spencer, I know you're not a college football coach. If you had a running back who, I don't know, fractured, let's say one of his hands, uh, early in a game, would you give him the bulk of the carries on the team for the rest of the game, or would you perhaps trust somebody else with the? Uh, I, I might lean on somebody else who, like somebody who had had previous, like Keith Marshall. Sure, sure. Keith Keith Marshall's been there before. He's had to tote the load. I'd, I'd give him. I'd probably give him more than three carries. Is my well, guess. That well, is, that is why you're not the Georgia to, coach. To be fair, let's let's learn about this Keith Marshall fellow. Is he is he experienced? Is he like a former blue chip, you know, high schooler? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, well okay. I, I'm Never sure mind. there was no point in time where people thought like he was Todd Gurley good. 
and talked about them in the same sentence and maybe gave them some sort of joint maybe nickname. Maybe gave them a joint nickname. <laughs> I, I don't know. As a freshman, he might, as a freshman, he ran for like 750 yards. Huh. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Amazing. And like ATDs, you know? So I'm sure in this game he played a key part rather than the guy who had his hand injured. Sure. He did have one more planned carry than uh, the, uh, the Russian quarterback. He had, yeah, he had three designed carries for 16 yards. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's real cool. So here's, here's a fun thing. The former backup quarterback, Bryce Ramsey, who arguably has the most Georgia name of three quarterbacks, even including Grayson Lambert, um, what position did he play for this game? Uh, he was punting. Yeah, they, they put him at punter. He was punting. He he threw the ball once. He punted five times, which means uh, he touched the ball more than Keith Marshall did. I assume I assume Grayson Lambert was like off on the sideline, just shooting th- mid range two two point jump shots or something. That's that would make as much put sense. Him in it like D tackle. Hey man, you wanna you wanna be uh you wanna be up in the booth today? I, I do not understand. Mark Rick has a fascination with taking quarterbacks who are second or third string and making them do things on special teams. Like uh, the designated who, which one was the designated punt catcher? Logan Gray. They took <laughs> Logan yeah. Gray and they made him fair catch every punt whether it made sense or not. And, I don't know and, if and it's some weird it did not. I know I don't know whether it's some weird the meek shall be first right <laughs> like, it's an object lesson yeah right like oh you think you're special you're gonna go out there and punt hey man jesus was you're a gonna car- catch punts and you don't even get to run them back jesus was a carpenter i don't know why you think you're fancy <laughs> also um did georgia run a despicably bad fake punt yes they ran a really bad fake punt did they fail to get the ball to really great receiver malcolm mitchell more than four times yep you betcha Got got the ball to him four times for sixty yards. That's that's it. This was like if I were any like if it were anybody but Mark Greg, he'd be gone. And and like, we should we should reiterate for people who don't have Twitter, Georgia has not scored a touchdown since Steve Spurrier stepped down from the University of South Carolina. Never get well, one. Never get one again. <laughs> they took him. Well, that ball's in the woods. I don't know what to tell it's you. Like a, <laughs> Sprayer said, "Like he did the like, got your nose trick, <laughs> and then he actually took it." Mark yeah. Rick's befuddled, looking for his nose. <laughs> this this is where Steve. What what'd you do? It's gone. Sorry about that. Took all touchdowns with me. Guess you can come. You can come find me. I'm gonna call you Taco Brahe. It's, like, it's like an elf or something. Because I got your silver nose. <laughs> He's behind a tree, giggling with a bag of touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Leprechaun five, the OBC. <laughs> The HBC. No, you're retired. You're the OBC. <laughs> he's, he's just sprinkling them in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. Here you go. Who wants one? Happy, oh, Hall- oh. Happy Halloween, Oklahoma State. Ooh, ooh. And Faton Bauta. Faton Bauta uh, had four interceptions. Four interceptions throwing into one of the best secondaries in the SEC. I know the SEC East is trash, but Florida in year one could, in theory, they went out the way that they probably could win out. Like, you're looking at nine or ten games at year one. This is a green program, because they're taking the SEC East trash, they're turning it into energy. That's, that's it, just energy moving forward. We take your Vandys, your South Carolinas, your Mizzou's, your Georgia's, because Georgia's pretty trash right now. Mm-hmm. Abs- yeah. Absolute garbage. Tennessee, do you realize Tennessee is going to finish second in the division and maybe win ten games? Yeah. 
And I mean, they, like I mean, they, Tennessee deserves that. Yeah, like if they won everything running out, they could probably <laughs> like what nine? I think they can finish with eight or nine games. But Mark Rick ain't going nowhere, kids. <laughs> no, imagine you hired the man behind one of the most mediocre and fury-inducing uh, offenses in the NFL, a guy who on third and si- third and six would ignore Tavon Austin and throw to a possession receiver two yards uh, behind the sticks. The guy who would also run Tavon Austin up the middle as if he was like Jerome fucking Bettis. Mm-hmm. The guy who was... You're I smaller. Uh, you can fit through smaller holes. It just makes sense. You're like Ant-Man. Don't go down to the <laughs> subatomic level. You'll get stuck in the center forever. <laughs> He's got incredible strength if we just shrink him. Yeah, you're the guy... Like, I, Whether this comes down to this or not, like guys end up getting canned or retired or put on the downward spiral of the career arc by hiring people who suck or hiring people who just do not fit, right? Like, go over. This is the Tuberville phenomenon, right? Like, Tuberville hires Tony Franklin, which was just as bad a fit as you could imagine. He gets fired, like, in October, and that's how he eventually gets out of Auburn, right? Uh, Gene Chizik hires Scott Leffler, right? Scott Leffler might have killed two coaches. Ooh, boy. Yeah, because Leffler was the OC for the most miserable offense at Auburn ever after Tony Franklin, and he was the OC for Frank Beamer, who we'll talk about in a second. Uh, when their offense went from miserable to miserable, they really didn't, you know, <laughs> the kind of just steady flat line. It went from staying out of the way miserable to get, uh, get, get uh, in the way noticeably miserable. Well, well, what Scott Leffler is, is he is the world's worst uh, building super. Because if your building is good, it will turn, it will, you know, get rats and have water damage. And if your building is already bad, he's not going to do a damn thing about it. That, yep. that, that new drywall is never coming. Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden ends up hiring Jeff Bowden to be his offensive coordinator. And when things start going sideways, that's who takes the heat. And when, you're, and when you start just shedding assistance, that's when you are in the official Tuberville death spiral. The spin of suck. Yeah. Because that, that's that's where you might be, man. That's where they might be. But hey, it's okay, Georgia. You're not Nebraska. Ooh. And, and because they won't fire their coach, you can't win anything. <laughs> Yo, Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska will do that. They might do that after a year. <laughs> I don't think he's won enough to get fired. Yeah, let's. We should not dig into it at all. Nebraska lost to Purdue. Nebraska gave up what. 50-plus points to Purdue? 52, I think? 55 points 55. to Purdue. The most the most uh, points Purdue has scored in a Big Ten game against somebody uh, besides Indiana in decades. Yep. You did that, yep. Nebraska. I mean, just look at it this way. It was a Purdue game where their quarterback did not throw an interception. <gasps> not one. And where Nebraska's threw four. <laughs> Riker Fife. He threw four interceptions That's against. And let's look up what's Bo Pelini's record uh, this, this year. Is it better? It's better. Can't, let's see. It's yeah. uh, it's uh, uh, four and four. That's okay. Yeah, that's better. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's and, fine. and that's not even with his players. That's true. <laughs> just, you wait. You just look at it this way, though. He's already lost four games, so he hit his quota. He's going to win out. He's done. He's done. He's, he's got loosened out of his system. He paid his debt. If Mike, he went, not, if he went nine and four in his first year, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Riley is not done because have you seen what's left on this slate for Nebraska? 
They it just actually lo- gets they, worse. They just lost to Purdue. They just lost to Purdue. They, they have and two, here come the actual hard games. They have two home games left against undefeated Michigan State and undefeated <coughs> Iowa. Oh. There is a substantial chance that Nebraska does not win a home game beyond September this year. Oh God! You tell me. You tell me if you think that that vaunted sellout streak is going to stick up if Iowa comes to town and they've already lost at it this might, point. It it might with Iowa games. fans. <laughs> Through these gates pass the greatest <laughs> Iowa fans in football. Counts. Tickets yeah. are tickets. <laughs> it counts. Hey, turnstiles are spinning. Hey, they're man. Just, they're just out there doing the burrito lift. I don't, care. I don't care if kids buy PG tickets to go see the R movie. We still get credit for that. <laughs> hey, listen. Just it, 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 a link, original content, or aggregation. Doesn't matter. Clicks, baby. Iowa gets you clicks. <laughs> Hate clicks. <laughs> Hate clicks. That's it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Iowa's still undefeated, y'all. That's it. That's the other bit of news. Win the Iowa. whole damn thing. Win the whole day. Iowa, Iowa Memphis National Championship game. Yup. I, I am all for this. In Arizona. In Arizona with 8,000 people in, in attendance. <laughs> be great. We'll, yes. We will be several of them. A fire has broken out in the stands. No, I'm sorry. That's gunfire. ESPN just hanging themselves. Executives throwing themselves out of the window. <laughs> but look at our ratings in Des Moines. <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> Actually, we finished behind an old episode of NCIS. God there, it's really it. big. Was huge. it huge? But was it? It was a good, good episode. Oh, it was super. Oh my god! It's- so it was a can't miss. The other, uh, the only other thing that I might want to note from this week, if we are reviewing the the schedule as it looks, is this that Florida State has one loss. That one loss is to Georgia Tech, and that Georgia Tech team, which had three wins coming in to this week has three wins coming out because they lost to Virginia 27-21. And in my favorite headline of the week from ESPN.com, Virginia outlasts Georgia Tech. That's one word for what you were going through. You outlasted them. Like, we gave them both aggressive cancer. Let's see who dies first. (laughs) Thank God it's over. Radiation poisoning is a race to the fourth quarter. (laughs) <laughs> They're both playing the disease game where somebody closes down Madagascar's but, airport. But look. <laughs> it was Virginia. Outbreak. Look, ACC play was not all flim-flammery and embarrassment. Auburn really gave Ole Miss all they could handle this week. It's true. Uh, in a valiant loss. Yeah. <clears throat> they can still, a, they can still win, win the Coastal. They, they really could. They're out of the running in the SEC West. Yeah, this game didn't count in, for the conference standings. for No, Auburn. no, no, no. They haven't, they haven't taken that many conference losses for... In the ACC, Auburn. Let me give you another three. So in the coastal, if you finish zero and zero, you win it, right? Well, I, I, they do have they do have one ACC loss. Yeah, Auburn. No, no, Auburn's one to zero in the ACC. Oh, that still counts, hmm. doesn't it? Shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dang it. But uh, I, I guess I was just saying theoretically, if you were no, to finish zero and zero in the um, coastal, because everyone else is going to be three and five, so you win. Speaking but of Auburn at one and zero, they're basically book them. Yeah. Auburn, you're going to Charlotte. Yeah, but they got to play Georgia still. I think that's an ACC loss. You're going to Charlotte. They'll get Cam again. The saddest, the saddest future game, by the way, I can just think of is Auburn Georgia, like the oldest rivalry in the South. Yeah, and that vintage, you pr- pretty much want to burn those barrels, just throw them out, 
this year. Auburn Someone's going to lose that. <laughs> Someone has to lose it. <laughs> it's amazing. For instance, uh, let me give you another three and five team, by the way, because you like talking about three and five teams. Oh, and speaking also in the, on the segue list of poor ratings for ESPN, Texas. Texas. Oh. Uh, yeah, don't forget this. You're going to forget and like all in, in this like mayhem of, of this weekend. Texas lost 24-0 in Ames to Iowa State. And this wasn't just like... This wasn't fluky. Um, this wasn't like fluky, oh, Ames got a punt return, or Iowa State Ames. Like the whole city ro- rose up, but it kind of did. Just, that's yeah, why, I think it did. why they won. Whole city <laughs> behind us. 5,000 people out there. There's 11 Longhorns. What is this, clean water? Ugh! <laughs> like holy water on the... <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, great Satan. No, this was this was a solid thumping. Like uh, Iowa State had 238 yards rushing. Mike Warren went for 157. Texas could not move the ball. And do you know who was on the sidelines for free for Iowa State? Paul oh, oh. Paul Wolf. Paul, that's true. Paul that's Wolf. it. Still got it. <laughs> a program got better in one week by hiring Paul Wolf not, as a volunteer. You know. As a yeah. volunteer, he's he's a lazy firefighter who just showed up. Yeah, Texas had 11 first downs, man. 11. Oof. That's it. I was I was saying had more third down conversions than Texas had first downs. They did, they, they, dude, they were awesome <laughs> on third down. They were 15 to 24. <laughs> they were I think my favorite thing about this game is that Texas had turned a corner. Like Texas had looked great like three of its last four games, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like Texas was really encouraging and pointing toward a bowl bid and all that. And then kaboom. <laughs> like, this, is, this is the t- like, like out of, you know, three years of badness, the worst thing happened after the, the corner was finally turned. Yeah, this is, this is, by the way, the, the, this is the candy game. You're like, man, you were doing so well. What happened? I ate too much candy. I <laughs> <laughs> crashed. And Charlie's like, fine. No guns. It was no my cheat. Candy. It was my cheat day. It was my cheat day. Oh, slow carb diet's <laughs> killing me. You got it. When you when, when you look at Texas schedule, you got to circle one game. It's a cheat game. <laughs> oh. That's it. Iowa State. I went to Ames. I ate a whole bag of Swedish fish. <laughs> now I'm only allowed to beat Kansas by ten. Uh, last thing I, I want to discuss is the retirement. Hopefully nobody's retired during this podcast. Can't rule it out. Because Norm Chow did get fired at Hawaii, which should surprise no one because he was real, real bad at Hawaii. Don't wait too long to take that head coaching job, kids. You know that thing where they're like, when you're a 60, you'll become a patrician. No, take it, take it, take it sooner because Norm waited too long. Somebody who didn't wait too long and is retiring is Frank Beamer, who retired today, told his staff, and will retire at the end of the season. Frank, uh, more than anything else, like I thought the first thing I thought was this. I've watched like 10 ACC and Big East coaches who do not score, play nothing but defense and special teams, and I've thought, man, fuck that guy. I hate this shit. I hate watching it. Just awful. But Frank Bieber would do that and do nothing but play defense and score maybe one touchdown and two field goals a game, and I'd go, man, this is awesome. Love that dude. <laughs> like this is the Chan Gailey, Frank Beamer uh, dis- cognitive dissonance because like Chan Gailey would do a similar thing and play kind of a sluggish, low tempo form of football, and I'd go, God, I hate this dude. I hate him. And then Frank Beamer would do the same, and I'm like, Well, that's good old Frank from Fancy Gap. 
I, th- I think there's two things here. One is the special teams thing. Like when you make it uh, a big cool thing to block kicks, you know, and cause special teams mayhem, then it sort of gives you this little glimpse of like, okay, this team really does like fun stuff. You know, it just doesn't like doing it on offense. <laughs> but it but it doesn't age all that well. It's like the guy who always does flaming Dr. Peppers in college. And then you're like, man, we're 37 and this is a business event. You can't keep doing this. Well, it doesn't age well because they haven't been good on special teams in several years. Well, yeah, they keep burning themselves on the flaming Dr. Peppers in, these, in this case. <laughs> well, they, now that now it's like the Dr. Pepper's flat. I don't know. Yeah, I think is- there's that, and there's also this style of football is such a cultural fit for that, that part of the world. Like, we're not talking about doing this in, you know, like uh, Miami or something. Like, no, this, it's, these it's, are mountain people. These are hardy mountain people. If you want to bring that shit around here throwing the football, nah. That that doesn't play here in the hills. Yeah, what do we got? Nothing. I think that was probably like Frank Beamer understood branding. I think out of utility because they couldn't run that. They didn't have skilled players, at least not until they started recruiting the Hampton Roads, you know, Virginia Beach area, which they did successfully for years and years and years and years. That's where they ended up. That's where they ended up recruiting Mike Vick out of, right? But before that, like they had absolutely jack nothing, and they kind of made it a brand. Like, what do you got? We're mean. Can you catch? Nope. <laughs> can you? Can you, you can't either. <laughs> can you throw? Yeah, neither, neither can you. Nobody's doing anything tonight. We're just hitting each other. Occasionally, we'll block a kick. We got an ex-soccer player. He can hit from 50. That's it. And he did that. He made that program like entirely like... Enjoy your stay. Yeah, enjoy your stay. Like when I think about like what the most Virginia Tech thing ever is, it's to get to the national title game versus Florida State and... Uh, for three quarters, watch Mike Vick just dazzle and then collapse because you have nothing. You have Mike Vick and you have a mean defense. And eventually the fact that everybody on the other side of the ball is a full star and a half better than your guys, that's going to add up. But that to me is like that and Frank Beamer beating the crap out of Lane Kiffin in a then Chick-fil-A bowl, the, the now peach bowl again in his final game as Tennessee head coach. Just beating the dog out of Tennessee. The game where Kiffin was one of the innovators of the fake an injury to stop the clock uh, tactic. Oh, a, ma- a magnificent innovator always. Late. And then after the game, refused to shake the hand of the coach who at that point had, you know, uh, 25 years at the same school, already a, a legend in an institution. And uh, Kiffin just hustled off the field, but... We're not here to run down Kiffin. Hire, hire in Miami. Hire Kiffin. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> Even though he lost thirty-seven fourteen in a bowl game to Frank Beamer, <laughs> in a game in a game where uh, they had five rushing yards. Like there, you played Virginia Tech. How many rushing yards did you get off a of Bud Foster defense? Five. That's how many you got. You got five yards off of it. Spend them wisely. And, and the other thing about Frank Beamer is this: that like, as if. You won't find many people who, who are lifers like that anymore. They'll still be around. People say, well, there'll never be another coach like that. Yeah, you'll get guys who are like that. You'll get guys who are from the school, come back to the school, coach a long time. They just won't be it, – it'll be in those places like Virginia Tech, which are kind of, you know, kind of cut from this extremely different cloth where they didn't have a lot of previous success. And – they're kind of a funky fit in terms of academics sometimes, you know, not, not that they were particularly subject to that, but you'll get that. But he, more than other people, more than other coaches, 
lived at, like lived the kind of life that I think everybody wanted to believe the Virginia Tech head coach should, right? Like if you were to find that archetype, you're like, okay, where's he from? He's from fan he's from Fancy Gap, Virginia, and grew up on a farm, right? Okay, well, what else happened to him? Oh, he was he nearly like burned to death as a kid, right? Yeah, but what's his family background? <laughs> This is the best part, Jason, because you asked that leading question. Well, what, where, where are his people from? And, and what did they do to a, a judge once? Well, they once shot up a courthouse. <laughs> yeah. Listen, that building was used for many municipal purposes. I think it's unfair to characterize it as a courthouse. They once shot up a Department of Education. <laughs> <laughs> they shot up the county men in, in the days when bootlegging uh, was still a thing. In the backwoods of Virginia, right? You have a dude who, you know, like clawed his way up from like the Citadel and Murray State, right? And took over a program which was a no-hoper, like a total no-hope program. And by the way, was bad. Like was his first two years. Yes. Oh, yeah. He goes two and nine and three and eight. Yeah, yeah. People talk about like what Bill Snyder did at Kansas State creating that program from like decades of nothing beamer is not far off like uh my favorite stat from today was out of uh virginia tech's 18 all-time uh, ap finishes 16 were under beamer and like the last one before him was decades prior like this program was nothing without him and he gave it 29 years and he takes over that job in 87 you know when they go to a bowl 93 they don't go to a bowl game until 1993. So just, just be patient, <laughs> are you Nebraska. Saying coaches, are you saying coaches should get more than like two years to turn these things around? Not at my program, no. No, but right. at, no of course, no. But at your it, program, yes. You need to be reasonable. You need to be reasonable because yeah. after that, after that, you know, like they start reeling off just 9, 8, 10, 10, 7, 9, 11, 11, 8, 10. Then, you know, like – even recently, you realize from 2004 to 2011, they're double-digit wins every year. Every year. That's like a Mac Brown-style run. And a Mac Brown-style oh, well, end. To, to be fair. Um, here's, here's what I don't get, though. Why is he leaving so close to being able to play a football game at a NASCAR track? <sighs> well... Maybe you know why I have a theory because he wants to drive a car at the NASCAR track. I was going to say he wants to watch it, right? Like he's like, "That's too cool for me to coach it. I got to go watch that from the stands." Grand Marshal Frank Beamer. He's also getting this. It, it came out that he has built into his contract. He gets a he gets a gig at the athletic department, uh, which I I assume that includes like he gets to run around, run a lap around the track. Hell yes, you get to drive Truckosaurus. It's <laughs> all I've ever dreamed of. I've built this program from nothing for three decades. Truckosaurus, the ul- Truckosaurus is the ultimate Virginia Tech quarterback because he's mobile and he can't throw that well. Flashback to like the 1960s. There's a small child, right? Young man sitting in his bedroom, sketching on a pad. What if it were a dinosaur, but also a truck? And what if I got to drive it? What's the most logical? I could become a football coach. And three decades later. <laughs> I did it. I did it. But first, I need to make an 80s metal band oh, no, truck- and have it write a song about sneaking up on children in the middle of the night. Oh, no. Truckosaurus is headed for the courthouse. <laughs> Truckosaurus sports freedom. You thought we forgot. It'll run on shine. It's brilliant. 